Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast, coming at you from the spookiest month of the year, November. <laughs> uh, buckle up. Get um, safe under the covers. Or, buckle up in the uh, scary car bed. Uh, yeah, in your race car bed where you have a seatbelt and covers. <laughs> and you're scared. Uh, I'm Adam Bass, and I'm a tabletop game designer in, in Gouldale, California. <laughs> I'm Will Yost, and I'm a ghoul designer in Goulston, Goulstachusetts. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that the time is here, the scary time of year. Do you feel it in the air? Yeah. I was in a graveyard this morning. That's how scary it is. I was in a graveyard, and there's a guy walking his dog, and uh, the dog was, um, I think, Dead? trying to figure out which grave to shit on. Oh, no. <laughs> Like, he was there to handle it, and he was giving this dog so much space to just choose a grave. Um, but, yeah, so when I went to a graveyard today, it's my favorite graveyard in my neighborhood. It's got all these grave from the, graves from the 1800s, and, uh, you know, they've got the New England skulls on them. You know I'm talking about? The skulls oh, with yeah. the wings. Classic. Yeah. Those rule. What what kind of graphics are you going to get on your headstone? Um, I've seen that they just have full-on, like... LED screen implants now, so you can, you can make like video reels. Um, I really want that. I want like a sizzle reel of my life. Actually, <laughs> I was just talking that um, when I was in like ninth grade, I would use my dad's computer to use Windows Movie Maker and uh, compile clips of me racing all-terrain vehicles with like Linkin Park oh. music. Oh my god! And that computer is definitely long dead. But I wonder if I burnt a CD with that in- information somewhere because I would really love to watch one now. Um, but that's probably what I want on my tombstone. <laughs> There's definitely a real deal with all millennials around our age, where there are just extremely compromising Windows Movie Maker files from when we were all twelve. It's really funny too because we're in this little like valley between our parents or older who maybe had home movies on like vhs or if you're looking really old uh like film reels in in a box like a real projector and then everyone younger than us actually posted the videos of that shit so it's just on youtube um ours are are digital but but in files that are no longer supported yes they're in the the arctic circle seed bank of embarrassing material (laughs) that we kind of lucked out there um, you know, it's not like, you know, people slightly older than us that were doing tin types and Durago types and doing quick etchings of things that they liked. And uh, people younger than us who are extremely young um, and just take it on their heartbeat <laughs> monitors or whatever the fuck they use. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if they're younger than us, they must be literal infants and um, just broadcasting their thoughts into the tw- Internet. Uh, hopefully I'm... that's what we're doing now. That's uh, what the goal of this podcast is. Oh, yeah, is. that's what a podcast, that's what all podcasts is. Should we, wait, Adam, for your headstone, should we record a podcast that plays <laughs> when you get near it? Um, I like this idea for sure. I wonder, I wonder if I'm, you know, too close. If I wonder if I should, you know, it feels. Oh, you want a biography. I want someone like... else to be the host of my death podcast. Welcome to Adam Vass's Gravestone. I'm Will Yopes, game designer and obituarist in Boston, Goulston, Goulston, Massachusetts. And, and uh, I'm Adam Vass, and I am dead. 
I am six feet under the goddamn ground being eaten by worms below your feet. <laughs> uh, what a run we had. Remember that one time? Will, why don't you tell him, uh, the fine folks here at my grave, tell him about that time <laughs> that... Uh, uh, Start doing some crowd work. I, I hear uh, you've got a pretty good story. Hey, Adam, I heard you got a pretty funky story about how you got here. Anybody here from Michigan? Show of hands. <laughs> Michigan? There, there's Michigan. my Michiganders in the crowd. Hey. All right. Anybody from Indiana? Old, uh, for those of you that liked the uh, podcast from long ago, Adam's name is Indiana name. Oh, well, you got to check the podcast if we've got any reviews. What was my Indiana name? I don't remember. It, uh, it was like... <laughs> It wasn't the Joe Biden corn pop. It was like grass whistle that. or something. Yeah, something like that. Okay, I'm I'm opening up my podcast app. Um, I use several different podcast apps because I am a freakish, freakish freak of nature. Well, we just in case we get a review on any one of them, you know, you need to. I got you need to know. People were so nice in the Discord, giving us like full information on how to check out, you know, like podcast reviews, um, like just in case we weren't getting them or they weren't going to the right place. Right. And I retain none of that information. <laughs> I'm thankful that <laughs> it was given to me. I don't know what to do with that. I looked at it for a second. All right. Do you want the reviews? Uh, yeah. Hit me with one. Oh, yes. We have 12 ratings. That's up from eight. Adam, I think this is the sound of a new segment where we pop one in the chamber. <laughs> uh, wow. There are there are four How new reviews. It's gonna it's gonna uh, it's gonna clip, but here we go. Pop them in the chamber. <laughs> pop them in the chamber. Pop 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 pop. Review. Uh, should I just read the reviews? I mean, they're just nice. They're yeah. just nice reviews. Yeah. I mean, yes, read them. Yeah, read them. This is like the screenshotting positive press that you were talking about last week. Okay, uh, kindness from Floating Chair. Uh, you can find Floating Chair's awesome shit at floatingchair.club. Two trustworthy brains theorycraft their way through the game design jungle. They brought to you the cult classic Indie Darling, a guide to casting phantoms in the revolution. Tune in while Adam and Will earn your trust. And this is also going in your gravestone podcast. So, <laughs> oh, including I... reviews, positive praise. Yeah, I like that. Well, I can't just, uh, frankly, it can't all just be positive. I, I need a, um, at least one, there, there is no, there is no game, just a dead body <laughs> in a no casket. Best. <laughs> uh, just for objectivity. I mean, we, what would, where would we be without reviews denying the entire conceit of what we do? <laughs> um, so there's nothing better than someone standing at your grave and being like, it's not, there's nothing here. This is, I guess it depends whether it's, you know, the cause of your death is a little suspicious. That is a whole new avenue. What if my, like, my death screen is a murder mystery game? <laughs> okay. Uh, like, dear, you have the clues. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to decide which one of you in attendance murdered me. And then I'm the, like, automated game master, like a VHS game. Welcome, everyone. Let us set our lines and veils for this game of Adamas <laughs> is dead now. Yeah, some of the mechanics will be will be overdubbed because the the 
by the time I am am taken from this earthly plane, I, I, the game design, uh, its industry will have burnt itself down and started over. Yes, we'll have new safety tools for our new world. Yeah, we'll f- fill in the blanks. I love that. Yeah, and you can just have clues all around the graveyard and make it an ARG. Yeah, it's like an escape thing. room. And you got time. <laughs> you now death. have to escape this graveyard. You have to help me escape death. <laughs> the game, like somewhere in this yard is a key that will open my plot. <laughs> The mausoleum where my body is stored. Exactly. Like, you find the mausoleum that the body is secretly stored. Um, the key, you obviously have to defile another grave. Um, and that could be fun. And it, could it might be, be my a, grave. You might end up doing, you know, too many, like, you might pick the wrong grave, you know? And the clues are not telling you which one to open. You got to take a leap of faith. And More like a six-foot leap of faith <laughs> into the ground to go Defile a corpse. Wait, what's it called? Like digging up a grave. I'm using defile, but that's wrong. Grave robbing. Grave robbing. There's like a like a verb for it. Like oh uh, yeah, whatever. Isn't this scary? What we're talking about? Because it's this one of the scariest months on record. November. When I when I searched uh tomb raiding, it, it came up. <laughs> Laura Croft is an NPC in this game. Word for defiling. Disturb, disturbing a grave. Desecrating, maybe? Desecrating, yes, thank you. Desecrate my grave. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that sounds pretty set. I mean, we could just work on the, you know, escape room of your... I mean, it would be cool to be a a game you make while living that then is, you know, how people oh, remember you. That reminds me that last year, during Break Kickstarter, there was a game that the, a person has designed but will not be released until they die. Right, that was um, uh, the warden. That was like Tom Crapper, right? Um, the I don't, warden OP. Um, I didn't. I don't. I wasn't familiar with the person when I saw the post, but it was just like I made a game. It definitely hinted that like some of the themes of the game were maybe inappropriate. That if they were to just have released it, they would be canceled. Um, and that's why they were waiting till a posthumous release. That was mm. somehow like either automated or like notarized so that it would go to <laughs> backers via PDF after their demise. Yeah, Todd Crapper. I like I like the theory. It's it's very it feels like knives out kind of like well, I, I think knives out maybe is the average of the two things we're talking about of like Yeah, yeah. A puzzle that takes place after death but that the person who orchestrated it uh was sort of in on the design i mean it's cool that having an open puzzle by the time you die creates a very real ghost for your loved ones like your loved ones have to solve this puzzle or they know that you literally have created unfinished business (laughs) that you cannot touch (laughs) like yeah i'll just just out of your hands my, my google docs folder (laughs) <laughs> and all my all my incomplete game drafts will be that. <laughs> right, I was thinking about like, you know, how do you make an incentive for it? Like, do you just, you know, have a bunch of money or maybe a little keepsake box, but you know, just the understanding that your soul will not find a piece yeah, until guilt. they figure out your grave puzzle. Guilt. Yeah, guilt, the ultimate unfinished <laughs> business. <laughs> uh, wow, great. Spooky up. 
Yeah, I want to be burned. So just you know, put my ashes in the Game Boy Advance or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they have those companies that will put your ashes into a vinyl record or something. Um, Ooh. Yeah. No, get one of those see-through Nintendo controllers. You know what I'm talking about? Like some... There's some yeah. like GameCube controllers that are all translucent. Like Give when me we the were translucent in middle Game school, Boy that Advance. was the trend of like semi-transparent technology. I had the semi-clear purple Game Boy color. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I just want that filled with my ashes or one of those uh, magnetic sand boards where you give a guy a mustache. <laughs> I need you to mix my ashes with magnetic sand, and so I can just be living facial hair. Uh, <laughs> I dare you to find a segue. I I wonder if this episode is dead and we need to uh, find its culprits. Yeah, we promised we'd make it a good episode because we got a bunch of good reviews. Thank you, everybody, for leaving reviews. If you want next episode to additionally be try hard, <laughs> I mean, we can't say it's good. We're just trying hard. Um, maybe we can reward everybody with some talk about your most recent drive-through experience. I like the idea that we just hold the show hostage every week and say, yeah. "Hey, we're gonna do a shitty one if y'all aren't nice to us." Yeah. Uh, well, things we got on the table include, uh, yeah, Adam, I heard you had a pretty interesting driving experience recently. It was um, not as, it was not as talk aboutable as the Stranger Things one was. Um, it was not super enjoyable. Here, here's our new segment. Adam, you have the floor <laughs> for one minute to talk about the driving Drive-ins, dives, and drives. Okay, hit, hit me with a stopwatch, and also alert me when there's only 10 seconds left. Okay, and three, two, one, go. So last night I went to Shudder Presents. Uh, actually, I don't know if it had a title, but it was like Cinema Drive-ins was doing a drive-in pop-up movie with like scare actors. So we go to see the mortuary collection, which is a horror anthology film shutter exclusive and shutter was presenting it on this like blow up driving screen that was just in a, a, like a hospital parking lot. Like it was a very innocuous, it was not an official drive-in theater by any means. Sure. And then there were people dressed up um, sort of like characters from the movie, but we had never seen the movie, so that didn't really land. And also, just sort of <laughs> as like zombies, I guess. But like, they they all wore plastic face shields to make it somewhat <laughs> COVID compliant. You had ten seconds, which was really challenging. And they would just try to like sneak up behind your car and do jump scares. But I would see them in the rearview mirror, and I'd be like, "There's a creeper on our right." And then it was not that fun. They were very distracting <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> Oh, that was great. That was that was a minute flat. Um, I, yeah, and I have no interest in talking anymore about it. <laughs> I like that energy, like a uh, creeper on my right. Um, it reminds me of. Uh, have you ever surfed YouTube for three sixty videos? Like three hundred and sixty degree, like they have that on YouTube. Yeah, like VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, I didn't so even you know can that was watch it in. You can watch it in 2D and it creates this like psychedelic panoramic thing where you can see in all directions at once. Um, so there's a lot of these videos that are horror videos. And you can check this out now. Uh, you at home listeners can check this out now. Here's here's what you get for the five star reviews. I'll tell you about my favorite one. It's this clown video. I don't remember the name. It's just 360 clowns. <laughs> it's these two guys in uh, some cornfield somewhere. And they are basically taking turns creeping up on the camera. 
Um, and the idea is that you are in VR, so they are scaring you. But when you watch it in this kind of enlightened <laughs> kind of mega vision that you can watch all these. And he, there's there's one video of this guy who does a tour of the Venice Beach uh, boardwalk. It's not a boardwalk. It's just like the the Venice Beach walk. And he's kind of just like looking real dippy, holding a 3D camera in front of him. That has a camera in every direction. He's like, I'm in Venice Beach. Um and it's just like a total mass of humanity and it's beautiful. And you can see people basically like slink walk up to the camera and then their body like transluces across the screen and they just transposition themselves behind the camera because that's just how like the 3d tracks and 2d, um, you really feel like a God. But anyway, these two clowns creeping up on the camera, you can see all of their movements. You have perfect knowledge of where the two clowns are. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just see them getting closer and just like jumping and, and freaking on the camera. Um, and that reminds me a lot of you saying, we got two creepers on our right. <laughs> they can't do anything to like, I can't take my rear view mirror down. So I just know where they are at all times. Yeah. You, you have your mirrors positioned perfectly. I mean, maybe they try and get in blind spots or something. They did. We would watch and like learn. They would start to like evolve their tactics. It's an hour and a half movie. And like, <laughs> <laughs> they're smart the ai is very There's, well programmed. it was also vip seating or like parking spaces where they would focus their attention and scare you more it costs extra the vips want to want to be scared more maybe they get some splash on the on the camera i mean it's just a good idea for a game that is someone's in a car and you have to like i don't know you're someone's in the car. It's dark, and other people are approaching the car. It feels like our game. alternative fishing lit of like, how do you scare someone who's in a car? You can't touch the car, and the car yeah. is not moving. It's like okay, I well, like that. Th- those rules are really strict. I'm gonna have to come up with something. Uh, and let me tell you, a lot of them did not come up with anything. <laughs> Uh, my my head jumps to like the one is like just a fucked up guy looks at you. That was the scariest one was a guy who was kind of fast because everybody was slow. The fast guy and he would just be laughing and I was like, oh yeah, the fucked up guy is easily the only scary one here. Yeah, someone who's enjoying it and not as like, I can't wait to get on break and stop creeping in the rear view of this guy's car. I have a ninety minute shift, so I'm gonna walk slow. <laughs> Uh, let's take a break and talk about games. Okay, yeah. Adam and I were talking about how the hell we get on Jeff Stormer's podcast, Party of One, which is uh, two players play a 1v1 or two-player role-playing game. Yeah, And, and the uh, idea we, is that we, we created two versus one game. We are one entity as the brain trust, uh, Yep, and somehow the two of us are, are one against or in conjunction with a one to be a two-player game with three with three humans. 
<laughs> yeah, how do we how do we split up uh, roles among a game to have it be asymmetrical, not in mechanics but in personnel? Um. So, uh, yeah. This, where do we even begin? I so one of the like joking ideas that I had when we were texting about it. This also spawns from our appearance on the very very shopping network. Last week, when Will and I were were guests, very grateful for that opportunity, and also we yes. just realized, thank like, you, Jen and Jaslyn, that was so cool. We just really enjoy. I it feels like uh, insincere to call it press, but like just talking about the things that we make with people who think those things are cool, like that's just such a nice opportunity. Yeah, it was great. Just and you know, to some extent, that's what this is just for ourselves, but like even having any kind of audience or interacting with people who are excited. Like, I don't know. It's just easy to talk about something you care about with someone who also cares about that thing. And it just like makes you feel alive. Right. And pitching people on games you're psyched about and watching them get psyched about it. And then it just feeds into itself of like, Oh yeah, there's also this part that you'll totally love. And then, yeah, it was was really cool. We we Um, both came out of this experience. Like how do we get to do this more often? whether we're we're just talking about our stuff or like interacting in a more public way than just like our our show is nice, but it's kind of just for us and and the 30 people who hang out in the discord. Um, The show is like a creepy room that you put some junk in, but you go in pretty often to get stuff out of. (laughs) Um, That's a very specific, you have a room in mind. I have a room. I have something of a room in mind. I'm thinking of my closet whenever I want a beanie, and I'm like, I don't. I fucking put them in a different place every single time, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I think they're under here. No, they're over here. Oh, look, some cables. Uh, so after that, we started the conversation of like, well, Jeff listens to our show. Maybe we could get on Jeff's show. And one of my joke answers was have us be in stereo split. <laughs> Uh, yeah, doing the, playing the same game at the same time, but one of us is in the left channel of audio, the other in the right. Um, that seems absolutely purely nightmarish. <laughs> the ears, actual, yeah. Um, Sound bad. like a shitty Beatles song. What if coming from that? Um, here's two quick ideas that are going to be difficult to describe. Um, Fred Armisen used to do this bit where he would like yeah. look at someone else talking and try to say the same words at the same time. You know yeah, what I'm talking Kirsten about? Or like sing a song. They did it together. Yeah. Yeah. That. So we're both, but we, I feel like we really have to be in the same place for that. So we are just, we have to be one, on a zero latency call. We are just one player character saying the same thing at the same time in two voices. <laughs> well, um, we could be, um, the, uh, like, uh, I like the, the two people saying the same thing. We could be, you know, the uh, one that lies and one that always tells the truth. The two-headed <laughs> uh, giant in front of the door. Ooh, let's come back to that because I think two-headed is probably a correct way that we can make this work. But okay. the other thing I was thinking of is a joke that they do in community sometimes of... Um, Very Troy, topical references. <laughs> Troy and Abed will, uh, will like make one sentence together but they will each say a word yep uh-huh um so that could be our player care our our player is this hybrid character of our own language so like um the game master says the door in front of you is locked what do you do 
and you just give one word and I give the subsequent word until we have an answer. Well, let's try that. I like how that sounds. Okay, so our game master um, is like, you're in a classic D&D opening. You're in a locked cell. Uh, there's bed, a pile of your belongings, and a locked door. What do you do? First, I take a sheet of cloth and tie it into a lasso. (laughs) Okay, what do you do with the lasso? I, I oh 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 I, oh I throw it at the pile of my clothes. Perfect. All right. Uh, the lasso hits the pile of clothes and cinches something. Uh, what do you do next? Oh, I think this this presents an interesting problem that I didn't foresee until we play tested it. Is um how does how does dice rolling work? I like the huh. idea. Maybe we both roll dice and we take the average of our two rolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it doesn't yeah. ever feel like one of us is in charge and the other one is taking a backseat. We're we're both making constant decisions. Adam, well, no. Whoever ends the sentence, the next person rolls. Okay. So it's still the mono signal. Uh, so I'm just gonna get out a d20 because I'm kind of invested in us getting out of this. Yeah. What happens right when we <laughs> throw our lasso at close? <laughs> And whoever has a okay, wait. This is we've now created a a two player game where we switch off words, and then whoever gets the last word, the other person, uh, is the game master. This could be extremely maddening, but also maybe satisfying to have two players be both the game master and the single player character. So right, the no, that, entire that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah but the so, entire structure is this on and off sentence. So even the game master part, which we're kind of glossing over because we're imagining okay. a third party, the game okay. master is us too. Let's try this again from the top. <laughs> okay. From the top. <laughs> That's a game. Um, all right. So you start. You're stuck in a cell with only three wishes. The... <laughs> first thing you see is a talking box named crackers what do you do (laughs) okay 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 Uh, okay okay okay. uh i check for traps (laughs) now you roll I'm gonna use a dice calculator because I need to know. I need true randomness. <laughs> it's not true randomness if it works oh. off a numerical seed, Adam. I rolled a two. So doesn't look like there's any traps. So what do you? Do I ask the crackers? Hey, what's good inside this box? GM voice crackers. 
Oh yeah, we de- we definitely need like a coded text or like yeah some visual aspect to know who's speaking in the player or the GM. Uh, wait, so you Maybe said crackers? Maybe we can put bed music. Yeah, I said the GM starting with the word crackers. This is good. I don't know how this sounds to anyone else, but this is very exciting to me. Uh, cracker smirks and says, "I'm crackers." <laughs> the box. What? Your babe. Uh, regs. 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 R e g g s. That's our name. It was my turn. That's it. <laughs> wow. Uh, just as a side note, uh, after very very shopping network, I played Jaslyn's game. Uh, shoot. It was a browser-based game about a devil that lives on your chest. It was very much about like anxiety disorder, and it got oh, to cool. a point where you name you name the demon, and I was like, I don't know, uh, Regs, and, <laughs> and ever since then, I've just had the name Regs, and I'm just like waiting to use it. It's stuck in my head. Okay, we are Regs, Adam. <laughs> we are Regs. We are Regs. I think it's because Greg and Craig are both often. Uh, go-to names for me <laughs> yeah regs is much better yeah uh okay where were we uh crackers said in the affirmative and i think the gm was about to move move it along mm. uh what do you <laughs> do <laughs> the, i mean that's the secret to gming is just ask what do you do <laughs> and respond maybe um, when you create a phrase like that you can just click it oh yeah like a, a soundboard because I, yeah. I'm also not pushing it for what do you do, but I can't tell you what I'm going for. I feel like it's against the rules. Yeah, it is against the rules, Adam. Regs. Picks. A. Wish. To. Cast. This. Wish. Summons. A. Box eating. Bigger box <laughs> named <laughs> chips so jeff um so we could be on your podcast yeah this is a good uh, proof of concept um if you, you don't like it i don't know what to tell really you really strong we're looking for 40k on kickstarter for this one <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking it's a three box experience You've seen the first two, back to see the last five. Uh, just yes-ending the living hell out of this episode. <laughs> this is what they wanted. It might be more fun with, like, six players. I think there's actually, like, a really fun game here. Uh, I mean, the the idea of, like, bank- creating and banking sentences. Oh, um, it feels like the weakest link. Like wait, how? Um, like each one of us is given this mini challenge, like a a a small trivia question in the game show. But it's just what is the next word of the sentence is our trivia question, and um, banking is like ending a sentence or or prompting the like what what do you do or rolling a dice. Like so, the idea in the weakest link is to get a chain of correct answers that's long enough that you reach a higher dollar amount. So there, wow. <laughs> there is like a mechanization of length involved. So like, 
how much detail, how much flavor can we inject into this moment before asking the player, what do you do? And the more intrigue we can create is like a higher money amount in the weakest link and you bank it. Right. You're creating potentiality because you don't want to say like, uh, crackers says no what do you do like that's not a satisfying bank and in the weakest link that's like banking a hundred dollars when you could have got twenty five thousand if you were just patient but when Mm -hmm. you run that long thread you also run the risk of someone botching the whole sentence and then you don't get to bank all the progress that you made yeah so how do we create those i guess we have to like gamify what is a botched sentence Hmm. Like maybe something that gives no one an option, a new option to go I wouldn't down. know because ours was pretty fire. So, Yeah, ours was some really good shit, and I find that we're just banking sentences on the regular. I mean, maybe there should just be like a tally counter for how many words we're getting. I think words words is valuable in this instance. Yeah. Like the longer sentences, the longer. And maybe like articles don't count or something like that. Like you could have – because um, I think – you know, the, the richness of the actual situation doesn't come from kind of the like filler words and stuff. Um, cause for example, like in the early, when we first started where it was like back in the cell with the lasso and the pile. Of yeah. Clothes. I was like, damn, I feel like I'm coming up with all of the nouns and then I'm just getting hit with prepositions and I got to keep filling the blanks. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think this is like a, Oh, go ahead. That is the, the like point value of like saying the word in is maybe not worth points in the same way that lasso is like it, this, this but, also feels mad libby in like, I mean, I guess there's could, if you really wanted to extrapolate and put work into it, be mad libby in that there are sentence structures in play and we only fill in like words that have consequence yeah, I guess there's less of the off-the-cuff weirdness. Like, it was really exciting to play. I feel like getting rid of the Game Master role and just figuring out how to create an environment, like being responsible for environment and being responsible yeah. for regs. Like, I like the idea that it's always regs. It's got to be regs. Um, <laughs> because specific games are great. Um yeah, you know, but there is a thing of all the connection words are important, and yeah. you as a player, maybe you only get points for connection words, right? That, like, you need to give other people opportunities to shine, and you can spend those points to bank phrases that you've created at the table. Yeah, and those prepositional phrases are what's adding flavor and setting and stuff, too, because those are how you get to add detail to the circumstances that you're in without necessarily whole cloth coming up with, I don't know, a concept. Right. And so because it's only generative at the table, uh, for every fucking, for every prepositional word you use, you know, you get a tally and you can spend those tallies on a sentence or phrase as long as how many tallies you have. Whoa, 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 whoa. The, yeah, this point accumulation and spending thing is a whole nother level of like mechanic. Whether So I like where you're at with it and on using them to change the way that you structure sentences. But in that same way, like we do have this randomization in play where like at a certain moment we both, because we've played trad games, like this would call for a dice roll, right? So um, 
in that same way, like you could use points for like plus two or you could like swing the favor of regs. So you also have this mechanical like they function both in this outside of narrative meta story constructive way, but also inside Mm -hmm. the narrative like advantages for your character and stuff. So you have right a point system. I mean, I think that's that's kind of. That that makes me think of just like video game skill trees, and we've talked about this a lot too. Of like, some of them just make your character mechanically better. This one will raise my strength or whatever. But some of them are player facing in so far as like, you maybe the map expands or whatever. So you as a player have more information on what you need to do next because you can mm. see more of the area around you. I really like the duality of not 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 necessarily duality because that's two, but like different different methods of using the same points on levels to influence game stuff i love that so one is spending these points on phrases that you can get to like swing in a sword then becomes just a single action that you can do or you can spend points to unlock different pieces of this labyrinth that regs is stuck in which then create the mad libs that you're filling to get out of it Ooh, that's good and i i think too i really like that it's a shared currency like yeah it's not you get coins for this and you get points for that or whatever like so you as a player always get to choose which is more important to you the the reg's physical state or your narrative state as a player Ooh, okay check this out you know mad libs give you each type of word that it is like yeah. an adjective or a verb ending in ly or whatever R- yeah. runly <laughs> verb ending in l <laughs> so um when you're, you know, after you've, so the first thing you're just, you know, regs is getting out. Um, you have a set amount of these types of words, you know, verbs ending in L-Y, things like this. Um, you can then bank words that then go into the next Mad Libs. So you're both creating, like, you're not going to have enough, but you can then bank and charge words to then influence your next room so it just continues building out of this currency of stuff it's like leveling sort of like right like yeah you know you know that you're gonna need an adjective soon and if you get a particularly juicy good adjective like juicy or good um (laughs) you you then can be like oh i want to save juicy because what if the next room is like a juicy water slide (laughs) a big juicy (laughs) hot dog uh um yeah that's great i like that this also feels in like tangential or in conversation with how words are designed in Necronautilus. And I'm only just sort of realizing now the like parallels of just like the intrigue of language that are in play here. Well, that's a game. Uh, Jeff want to play with the, (laughs) it's called (laughs) regs escape room. Regs, regs got to get out of here. Regus. Um, it's just (laughs) eggs with an R in front. (laughs) Sure. Lots of names are stuff like that. Will is ill with the W. Wow. I uh, ever think about that. Let's try another one. Cool.
And we're back on the Brain Trust Podcast. We're talking about uh, three-player games, 2v1. Obviously, when you're thinking about 2v1 games, you got to mention Nevin Holmes' Gun and Slinger, uh, where you got one GM and two players. One of the players is a gun, and the other is a slinger. I think, and, and I like to the deliberate design choice of like this is this is the comp right it's not like yeah um you have a game master and four guns and two slingers um like (laughs) although that sounds awesome i like that um but just as we've talked about in the past just like explicit player counts or like games that are designed very explicitly for a thing like cobwebs is meant for three players with no game master and you can play it with more or less but like Three is what it's for. Um, th- that made me think, I mean, I do want to come back to the two-headed player character thing because I think there's some money there. But um, There's money growing on that head. How do we flip, how do we have two game masters and one player? Um, Cool, cool ideas. Maybe game masters responsible for different laws of the setting, like natural laws. What if each game master just adds a word to the sentence? <laughs> um, yeah, each game master is a small box named Crackers. It's hard to have two game masters because of the trad perception that the GM is sort of one outside of the player group and two omniscient in a way. Um, to have two game masters challenges that all knowingness because okay. It, it yeah. would be it would be near impossible for each of them to know everything and what the other one's going to do and stuff. So I mean, it, we could go some like straight up duelist shit. Like one GM is the GM of goodness, and one GM is the GM of evil, and you're bargaining for a particular reality from either GM. So they could maybe one GM has the floor, and they introduce a complication that you then need to bargain the evil GM for. Your regs stuck underground. And obviously need a hole to go somewhere else. And so you just bargain with the evil GM and you make certain contrivances or whatever you need. I, um, so you're both like, they both have control over reality and it's understood and you need to pit them against each other or whatever. I'm actually seeing, I, I think some of these are ideas that we, we touched on already, but um, having this sort of like token economy in like a uh, no dice, no masters kind of way. Like mm-hmm. if if you're the good GM and I'm the bad GM, I can kind of take over at any time. You know, like there's sort of this understanding that we are competing in a way and the player character is just sort of living in a world, whether they are aware that there are like these battling gods or not. Like maybe just the world around them is constantly yeah. changing and it's really hard to keep up with. Rex doesn't know. Uh, right, and, she doesn't know. Um, but having this like meta game of like every time you offer a complication or something to the player character, um, you give me a token, right? And then I can take over. I can take control with one token, but I could spend three tokens to be like make your complication more difficult for the player or something like that so like um because i think that is one really great thing about the belonging outside belonging games is having this token economy 
gives you both a menu of things that you can do and that can inspire choices that you make, but also gives you the cost of those things so that you can like metagame in your head. Do I want to take this smaller action now or save up my money for a bigger action later? Mm-hmm. And so it could be things like, you know, based on how the single player like praises or worships each of these beings or aligns, you know, with their story or ideals, that's kind of coin generate, that's token generation stuff. I'm thinking too of the Green Knight RPG that has that um, honor system. Mm. And so like when you're doing an honorable task, you try to roll over your honor score. And when you're doing a dishonorable task, you roll under it. So your odds change based on like honor being this sort of subjective currency that is established by the game master they tell you what things are honorable and dishonorable um to just split that and say like one of us is honorable one of us is dishonorable um then the player still has this choice of like i i i want to do this this thing i want to stab this goblin instead of talk to it and so it's like oh that's a dishonorable one so the dishonorable gm will then offer the consequences of your role or even like i do like the idea of i mean this game has two stats uh gm1 and gm2 yeah and so you you're constant and, and i think you're like wavering between these two dualities that's sort of you as the player character um again you can favor one or the other because of this sort of like min max c like Oh, I, I see here that I have a much greater chance of succeeding if I do a, an honorable thing right now. Then right. it would encourage you to act in those particular ways, and th- then the honorable GM would be encouraged to offer situations that continue to favor them or you or the player. I I also think it would be strong a strong design choice to have both GMs represent different like more ambiguous things than honor or dishonor. Yeah. So they have secret tenants that you throughout play discover what they are. So you find out, you know, what, so the goblin stabbing example, I'm thinking more like, you know, um, you are, let's just, okay, we're stabbing a goblin. It's what we're doing. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if it did. Um, <laughs> we're doing it. Uh, and so you, each God, God GM, I don't know what we want to call them, but just each benefactor, um can can make their case for why you should you know roll their stat oh, which you're is like the angel and devil their on name. their shoulders yeah but you don't know which one is which so it's more like it's the weird worm and the strange butterfly on your shoulders and you they can't directly say what their tenants are and you as the player can um kind of like roll for shoes or wizards in the waste. Each time you roll that thing, it get the skills get more specific for what you do. And so you then create this dogma of each of these benefactors um that you then, you know, play into the game. This is now making a pretty cool game about like differently coded morality in a different way, just like a spectrum of belief. Um yeah, which I, is neat. I, I want to interject because I actually designed and published a game that does this. Hey. Uh, my my game on wings that came out for free RPG day last summer, uh, that exalted funeral published. Um, it's about a human who's like at, at the end of their lifespan, whether it's natural or unnatural. And then you have the other two players are birds. Um, 
who are trying to sort of beckon this human to leave the, their mortal coil and go on to the afterlife. But the birds could be uh, sirens who are evil and like manipulating the human to choose oh, cool. their their death in maybe unnatural ways. And then psychopomps, which are not malicious, um, just yeah. like death is a thing. And, and sorry, bud, it's your time. And um, both of the birds, you, you interact with a human through dreams and also just like in a way that a real bird would like if I go to the store and I see a bird on a branch or whatever. Um, yeah. So you're not directly like telling them shit. You're just sort of influencing them. And there is a sort of competitive nature to that of what the human, what happens at the end, which is dice determined um, treating dice as a token that you trade for doing particular actions but then at the end of the game you still roll them so there's still like one dice could still beat three just by the nature of rolling um but yeah you don't know what the bird is as you interact with it it could be evil or it could be benign and you're just like chilling with it regardless as a human player Mm -hmm. um it's a pamphlet game so it's like small it's concise it's maybe thin at times by the nature of the medium <laughs> but it yeah touches on the like idea it... of like these aren't necessarily polar opposites they're sort of just like spiritual differences and then their third player is navigating them without perfect information right yeah and sometimes you're going to align with both and that i mean like I think that that's a really good framework that we can take into this like epic quest style thing where there's going to be, you know, lots of good decisions, lots of bad decisions. Um, and, you know, directly pleading with these like cosmic entities. Sometimes both of their dogmas will align and then you get Yahtzee or what the fuck ever. It's like a huge moment in the game and they can both make their huge world changing moves and stuff like that. I like to, like you said, making them more abstract of themes or, or concepts um, of maybe just fully blowing it out and not having like having it be so subjective. So like you have an orange GM and a purple GM and like when you stab the goblin, is it an orange move or a purple move? And you, yeah. you have to like rationalize cause not, not only do you have to make a choice between two options, but you has to you have to define what those options are almost every time. Specifically, like using orange and, and purple instead of red and blue or, or things that are maybe like yeah. red you would think is angry or whatever. Um I really like that. Or or just like one of these is lemonade and the other one is coffee. Coffee. I was gonna say coffee and then I was gonna say milk, and then like all I could think of was milk, milk, lemonade. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but just having things that are not diametrically opposed but you, around the corners where coffee's made you, you you make them diametrically opposed by the composition of the game so right milk and or lemonade and coffee there is no milk lemonade and coffee are different but there the are things about milk. them that are very similar and so like you as the player then has have to codify what does one mean that the other doesn't mean or mm-hmm. what my my desired next step which one does this fall under or which one could i it comes I, i'm still on this like subjectivity of 
of everything. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really neat. Like, I mean, I think that's the key to this game and making it a kind of abstract acid fantasy kind of thing. Yeah, I, I as we're sort of like still on regs and, and goblins and stuff, I do picture this being more psychedelic and weird. Yeah. Well, there there it is. Two psychedelic weird games. Um, the first one is all about regs. Uh, and the other is they're all about regs it's all regs here the two story i mean that that'd just be a cool split to do i mean the two games of regs yeah this is wild i'm also picturing (laughs) if you could combine them and have like a a six player group (laughs) yes two two players are orange two players are purple and then two players are regs (laughs) and they have to finish each other's sentences (laughs) It's yeah, pure okay, chaos. So it's a it's a twenty page zine or whatever, and one side I mean they're like upside down. Each like one faces you know what I'm talking about? Like one is one way and then I, I do, but through. I'm also thinking of um oh shoot, now I, the 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 bakers made that ghost game that's like a playbook game. Murderous so, ghosts. Yeah, so like there's a purple book and an orange book and a regs book and when I do something, you have to turn to this page and do mm. X. Like having, it, it would be much harder to do something like that. But it kind of goes back to our like Mad Lib, having a more yeah. constructed regs I mean, one, experience. One little book of Mad Libs for dungeon rooms is great, and you just have a character sheet in there. And then the other one of like dogma tables for the different entities the two entities i mean that sounds good i like this split of weird 2v1 games yeah that's fun um that's fun we we never did get to the two-headed uh player game but i feel like it's okay because we did whole cloth like genius shit instead it's a we did whole cloth genius shit yes adam and it has also been a whole cloth hour and maybe next yeah. time, if I see a couple of reviews of the Brain Trust podcast, <laughs> we can we can touch on that two headed one. Thanks everybody for reviewing. Um, I feel like the SNL wrap up music started playing in my head. I can't picture it. So, just imagine like Trent Reznor standing next to Keenan Thompson, and they're both like just thanking the crowd. Yeah, I I I, I can picture the moment, but I I don't hear anything in in my mind. <laughs> I hear nothing. I hear the sound of silence. It's really somber, actually, because all the <laughs> friends have to say goodbye. <laughs> Trant's got to say goodbye. Uh, anyway, I'm on Twitter at WC Game Co. Um, I don't think I got any plug. Oh, plugs right now. That's it. Uh, I'm on Twitter at will.com, the landed.com Twitter account. There's a cool actual play uh, of Black Mass by Off the Table, the Off the Table group by um, Katie Faze. Uh, and it was really cool. I think there's probably, it's probably going to be like VOD or whatever archive. I don't know what it's called, but it was great. That was awesome. Um, is the itch, is your, is Black Mass still? part of the bundle by the time this comes out oh uh it will be ending already so thank you everybody for picking it up it was absolutely ridiculous uh it's still available there's another printing coming yay cool games and see you uh jeff stormer you can talk to our people (laughs) we know your people (laughs) brain emoji handshake emoji